1: God designed us to bond over literally millions of interactions and how beautiful that is. And it is never too late to bond with your child, even if they're an adult. It is never, ever too late. It is never too late.
0: You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. You know, when a new little one enters the world, there is such a balance between taking care of baby and taking care of mom. And each time we added a new little one to our family, I had to figure that out once again. Whether you're a new mom or a soon-to-be grandma, today's conversation will address all things moms and babies. Helping me dive into this topic is Rachel Elmore. Rachel is a licensed therapist and a Christian counselor, as well as the author of A Mom is Born. Eleven years ago, Rachel overcame postpartum depression in her own life when she became a new mom, and today she has a passion for helping other moms do the same. Welcome to the No More Perfect podcast, Rachel.
1: Thank you so much, Jill, for having me. This is so, so exciting to get to talk with you and your people today.
0: Oh, well, I am. I'm thrilled. And um, you said that you had been following me for quite some time. Did you read any of my books? Or was it through the podcast? Or do you remember where that connection first started?
1: It was, I think, just seeing you through Focus on the Family and some of the interviews mm-hmm. that you did, especially because I also do a lot of couples counseling. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, in, and I, I just watched you give a talk on Mother's Day last year, um, just through YouTube, but really just kind of YouTube videos and just seeing you through Focus on the Family and being featured, especially your amazing story of just um just courageous love and and what you and your husband have gone through and just really connecting with that and seeing especially my clients bringing in your book. And Mm. so that's how I originally connected. I realized I have not read your mom book yet, and I definitely need to read it. It's (laughs) definitely on my list. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel kind of like a fraud today, but I'm going to read that. It's interesting, it was mostly through the relationship aspect of just you're just your beautiful story of just redemption and just you know the 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 30 years of marriage 10 of which have been really hard i forget yeah. that exact quote and um just just really loving your um journey to fight perfectionism and really just to fight letting god like do his mighty work in us to refine us rather than us trying to be something that we're not yeah uh, so that's how i originally found you
0: that's great. I love that. Yeah, we've made some great connections uh, through Focus on the Family. So I'm so glad that you were been able to catch those, but even more than that, that your clients have benefited from them as well. So, you know, really, we all we all have stories and The when we share our stories, and it doesn't have to be on a podcast episode or on a stage, it can be sitting across having a cup of coffee with another, another mom, another person. Right. But when we share our story, we let other people know they're, they're not alone. And that's really the heart of why. You are sharing your story more. It's why you wrote your book, Um, A Mom is Born. Um, So talk to us just a little bit about uh, your story, what happened 11 years ago, and why you have such a passion to uh, help other women.
1: Well, it's interesting becoming a mom, already a licensed therapist. I also was already a baby marriage counselor before I got married. And so, which I know it's very funny, but still uh, being a very young counselor. But at that point, you know, being 29 years old, fairly established in my field, I'd like to say pretty respected. I was on staff with a really well-respected Charlotte practice. I now own, own my own practice. But so here I already was that licensed therapist that knew all of the things became a mom absolutely in love with my baby and woke up one morning and I was afraid to hold him. And I always like to start this conversation and I want every mother and grandmother, every person listening to know that with postpartum and baby blues, we are sisters, not twins. So everyone's experience is different. All of my clients I work with that experience some postpartum depression or anxiety, it all looks different. But for myself, I woke up Jill and it's like a light switch went off. I Was afraid to pick up my son. And not only that, like I kind of didn't really want to. I was so sad, so hopeless. And I leaned over in in my bed. I woke up and rolled over and touched my husband's shoulder. And I said, I need to call the doctor. I knew something was not okay. I knew something was not right. And so immediately we reached out to our amazing church pastor. We reached out to my family doctor and my OBGYN. And you know, I'm so thankful that because I'm a licensed therapist, I knew exactly what it was. And I knew that this wasn't normal. But for so many women, especially, you know, 10, 11 years ago, no one was talking about this, Jill. No one was talking about this. And there wasn't a book out there. And there's still, well, now there is, but there wasn't (laughs) any, there weren't, there's one book And it's, it's, it's all right, but it's not written by someone that's, um, that has my background professionally and it's not written by someone who went through it. Right. And definitely not written by someone who loves Jesus fiercely as I at least strive to every day of my life. And so that morning when I woke up and, and I was like, you know, this was not okay. And I, I had never felt more hopeless in my life. I'd never felt more despair. My, um, I think one of your daughters had bad colic you talked about like for six months, she cried. So for the first months of my, my older son's life, he had a dairy allergy that we did not know about. And when Mm -hmm. he wasn't eating or sleeping, he was crying at Mm -hmm. all times. And I know you said you would cry too. Mm -hmm. And there was this moment. Yes. Where I was rocking him and he was crying and I looked down at him and his face was wet. And I was like, He's too little to make tears. And I realized the tears on my baby were mine. It, they weren't his. And just mm. the power of that image, that actually was my original title, but we went with something a little bit shorter. But just knowing that there is hope. And so when I knew what was going on, I started to try to find counselors in the area that knew how to treat it. And I actually even went to a couple of counselors who kind of said, hey, we don't really know how to help you. And now we do. And so I spent the last decade of my life and I have decided my heart song is this book, this treatment plan so that no mom ever has to feel like I did, because I did feel like what is wrong with me? What 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 kind of mother does, is afraid to pick up her baby? What kind of mother is crying herself to sleep at night? And I'm like, well, it's one out of seven of us. And mm. studies say recently that it's actually more. So what kind of mother? It's I mean, even the ones that, because we all experience some sort of a baby blues adjustment period. It's all of us. It's mm-hmm. it's adoptive mothers. It's a lot of supporting grandmothers. It's a lot of fathers go through this adjustment period of just some depression and anxiety after we become a parent. And I just want to shout from the, the rooftops, mama, you are not alone and you are not broken. God has not forgotten you. And let me give you a plan for like 15, 17 bucks And be able to help you in the way that I've helped a few hundred, maybe more women.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. I love the passion that you have for this. And even just that call of hope, which I'm sure that there will, you know, there's a mom listening that is going to, I mean, she needed those words right there. She needs to know that she isn't, that she isn't alone. So, so it's much more common than what we realize when you say i knew something wasn't right talk a little bit more about what was the difference between just baby blues i'm tired i'm up all night i i mean it is so physically exhausting to have a newborn right mm-hmm. um and my body is recovering Talk about what's different about what's to be expected after having a, a newborn um, or adding a new child to the family versus actual postpartum depression and uh and, and what makes that what sets those apart.
1: It's a really great question. And it's a, I love that I do actually have a simple answer after a lot of research. That the difference is since all moms have some symptoms of baby blues, all of mm-hmm. us do. Um, the difference is if it lasts after two weeks. And if the symptoms are severe enough to where they're getting in the way of her taking care of herself or taking care of her new baby. And I have to say this on every podcast legally, you know, because I am, you know, a licensed health care professional, I have to say if anyone that's listening, that's having any really if those thoughts of of self harm or harming someone else your next stop is to seek treatment it is not to listen even to the rest of this podcast come back later but if you're having those thoughts right now that it's not even my book that's that's not the next step the next step is getting yourself some some help and making sure that you're safe so I don't want to be triggering, but I do always like to point that out. Yeah. But when you've got someone that's sad and crying and not wanting to hold their baby for more than two weeks, that's no longer baby blues. That's mm-hmm. postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. And the good news here is we treat it the exact same way. And so okay. whether if I have a mom that's struggling for three weeks and then you know her hormones kick in and breastfeeding starts to work or whatever it is that, that starts to their baby starts to sleep more, they're getting, you know, because that biological impact is going to be there no matter what, where Mm -hmm. you're sad. And I mean, right. I think all moms are just exhausted and are thinking, oh my gosh, is this my life for the rest of my life? Like your, your daughter who cried for six months, Mm -hmm. it's no one, no one enjoys that. So it's, it's normal to struggle, but when all joy, I didn't look forward to things like, Oreos or s'mores or the beach and even my funniest friends who I could like cry myself like I can laugh all day nothing made me laugh even my favorite memories from favorite little moments and not even my baby made me smile and Mm -hmm. that I knew because he did and then it was very different where all of a sudden I would look at him at least for a couple of weeks it was like I was nervous to hold him. I was so scared I was gonna accidentally drop him. And I knew that just something biologically was wrong. Mm. And the beauty is, you know, I went and God was just, God filled my life with so many amazing women during that season that that still are pouring into my life that are have been a big part of this book who. They came and ministered to me and a lot of a lot of them actually weren't moms. And it was totally okay. I, I always say you don't have to be a mom to support a mother that's struggling. Mm. And it was just women. There's a chapter in my book that says, Hold my baby and bring me snacks, because that's what my what these women did. And some of them were at my church. And I ha- actually hadn't met them yet. Like they they were coming to my home with a pizza and a DVD, and they would hold my baby and they'd say, You're doing a great job. And they would just encourage me. While I was waiting for you know some natural hormones to kick in, and I did. Um, now not all new moms need met medicine, but I did choose to take medic- medication for two, for one year after both the birth of my children to help prevent some postpartum, and it did it did wonders. But those things were very healing for me. But if we're dealing with something where it's lasting more than a couple of weeks and it's getting in the way of you taking care of yourself and your baby, like again, not having anything to look forward to, nothing's making you smile, guys, it's time to call someone like me. It's time to reach out to your mom, your pastor, your Bible study leader, your doctor. It's time to say something is not right. So we need to do a few things to fix it.
0: Yes. Yes. You know, we were, uh, recently working with a, uh, a couple and, uh, they had actually been on a wait list for a counselor for months. And finally they weren't getting in and they were like, we need help. And so they reached out to us as marriage coaches and we started meeting with them. And, um, eventually we began to realize they didn't have marriage problems as much as she was actually dealing with postpartum depression, oh wow, yeah. and so we were able to in fact bless her heart. she even you know i I said I, you you really need to get into a counselor. we need to get you need to talk to your doctor. you know we started going through all of that and and she was like, I can't put be on a I can't be on somebody else's wait list. Um, I, I I just can't. And I was like, "I'm. I, I will help you find. We will help make connect the dots to the right person for you." Um, because sometimes it's it masks. I think it can mask itself as uh, relationship problems when mm-hmm. really it's a personal thing that someone's going through, but it's just showing up in the relationship. Would you agree with mm-hmm. that, Rachel?
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I I would say it's gotten to the point. Anytime I have a couple that comes in that has a you know a, a infant under the age of one, mm-hmm. I'm looking for some of that um, mm-hmm. because I I early in my career I did not, and I realized kind of like you said, you're like, oh wait, this isn't just communication. This isn't just sexual intimacy issues. There's there's some other stuff going on here and and we need we need to deal with that as well there's some just some maybe even a mental health diagnosis some postpartum depression and anxiety and you know dad's over there too doesn't know how to help doesn't know what he needs to mm-hmm. do and um absolutely when you said that i was like yep yeah, i could pretty much say i mean half the time that i have mm-hmm. a new couple that's that calls me and they have a new baby some something like that it might be a piece of the puzzle it's right. not the whole it's puzzle it's not the whole puzzle agreed right.
0: yeah absolutely i mean certainly there were other things that needed but you almost have to at that point it's kind of like you have to triage it right because mm-hmm. Because you, until you take care of that piece, where those either those hormones are off, and whether it's medication, whether it's therapy, whatever they need, um, both and um, that almost has to kind of rise to the top, because the other things can't even begin to be dealt with until mm-hmm. there's some stability
1: there. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I absolutely couldn't agree with you more. There, that's very true.
0: So what do you wish, as you look back, what tools do you wish you would have had when you were struggling in postpartum? I mean, obviously you wish you would have the book that you've written, right? Um, that's what Mark and I always say, you know, our, our two books that we've written about recovering from infidelity. We're like, well, these are the books we wanted, we wished somebody had, mm. had written. So you've obviously done that. But what tools do you wish you would have had?
1: I wish that early on, someone would have taken me by the hand and looked me in the eye and said, God has not forgotten you. I wish somebody had said, You're not a bad mom. I really needed to hear that. I needed, and I did have friends eventually say, Rachel, you're a wonderful mother. But I didn't. I mean, I could barely see straight. I was so tired and exhausted and hormonal. And my body, I felt like Frankenstein. I'd been pieced back together, you know, like especially with a, a very, you know, hard C section that I went through. And, you know, it, yep. it was so hard. But I just wish someone also, cause I would, I remember walking around Walmart or Target and my baby crying the whole time. And I talk about my book, or beginning of my book, just being like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry he's crying, like to strangers like apologizing Mm -hmm. that my baby was crying and I'm crying as well, obviously, because I just, that's, that was my kind of default setting for a while. I wish someone had said to me, you don't need to apologize for anything. You're doing the best you can. I wish someone had said to me, when you are, when you have a new baby, you have two goals that day is to feed yourself and to feed that baby (laughs) and bonus points. If you pray for your baby, step one, step two, step three, I hmm. wish someone had just said, you have no other goal. If you don't, if you I remember one day, I was like, when did I last brush my teeth? I mean, like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I have I brushed my teeth in two days and it gross, but still that's where I'd been, you know, just, um, I remember my hair it's, uh, but every mom's going to relate to this. My hair, I had to get cut because it smelled like spit up because no matter how much I <laughs> washed it, it, you know, with a dairy, a baby with a dairy allergy, I just wish someone had said, you don't need to apologize for a thing. You don't need to say you're sorry that your baby's crying. You're doing, you're doing the best that you can. Mm. And God has not forgotten you. The other thing, and I don't, but I always like to get this out. With bonding and attachment in psychology, we used to think that we had this very narrow window, Jill, to bond with our babies. And I know you have experience with adoption. And so hopefully this will encourage uh, foster moms as well as adoptive moms. And I panicked thinking, you know, I had all this training and attachment theory and bonding when it came to my master's and, and my undergrad program, thinking I had missed the window to bond with my older son that oh. it had gone out the window. Because here I had two weeks where my mom and I had friends come help me take care of him while I was waiting for my medicine to kick in, because there were moments that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm scared to pick him up. And I thought, my my precious window has gone out the window. I want every person to hear this, because I think it really shows God's faithfulness. That as I did research for this book, realizing that attachment and bonding does not happen in this tiny window. Yes, that window is important. Attachment to your caregiver and bonding happens over literally millions of interactions. Yeah. That window is not a window, it is a highway. It is long and it is big and it is full of God's grace and faithfulness. And the fact that, and I got a little, I get a little choked up talking about it, but the fact that like God saw that and he's he was like, hey, Rachel, it's okay. Like I'm very bonded with my son. Like I ador- I mean, we're super mm-hmm. close. That I didn't miss that window, and I feel like women with postpartum, they think, it's uh, well, it, the jig is up. There's no mm. hope that I'm like, God designed us to bond over literally millions of interactions, and yes. how beautiful that is. And it is never too late to bond with your child, even if they're an adult. It is mm-hmm. never, ever too late. It is never too late.
0: Yeah. Oh, such an important message. Such an important message. I absolutely agree with you. And I love how you said it's it's over, you know, millions of interactions. And if you miss a few of those interactions, that is not going to be the end all of, of bonding and connection. Yeah. Oh, so good.
1: It's just like thank you. It's just like the ultimate. I remember reading that and just being like, look how beautiful God's grace is and how he designed our brains that way. It's just such a neat testament to, again, his faithfulness and and the grace that he has for us, that he Mm -hmm. factored that in there uh, for new moms Mm -hmm. and dads. Right.
0: So let's go back for a little bit and talk a little bit more about taking care of mama. And so let's talk about the fact that you said in the beginning that moms have to take care of themselves and they have to take care of their baby. Like those are their two big jobs. How does a mom find a balance in caring for her baby and caring for herself?
1: Well, I think that I have a Title, or I have a chapter in my book that's on self care that I titled Mascara. And anyone that meets me, or if you see my Instagram, you can see I'm someone that probably likes cosmetics. I do enjoy mascara. And I joke that I really think we overcomplicate self care. I think Mm -hmm. we make it that it's got to be, you know, a CrossFit class or Pilates or a massage. And when my older son was born, he was on because of his allergies, he was ended up being on a formula, um, a special formula that was more than our mortgage. And so me getting a massage or a pedicure was a pipe dream. I mean, it just wasn't going to happen. And I had to learn to do little acts of self-care that took, I talk a lot about three minutes self-care and I would let my son safely cry for three minutes and I would wash my face, brush my teeth and put on mascara. And it made me feel like me. It did. It made me feel, mm. even at the end of the day, if I'd cried all the mascara off, which often I did, it just reminded myself that even though the focus, of course, in those early days is just keeping him okay, right. especially those that, those first months, but that, no, I, I can take three minutes and do little acts of three-minute self-care to take care of myself. And you know, for many of us, it's not mascara. Um, and I don't think that a shower is adequate self-care. I think that there needs to be more than that. But I have a list that's pages long in my book of just three minute things that we can do of just like a checklist of organize a drawer you know uh put in a grocery order whatever brings you joy like go smell some flowers like, yeah take those three minute increments and your baby will be fine to put them in the crib for three minutes. I promise I'm the attachment expert here. I promise they will be fine. And to just try to not make it that it needs to be this hour two hour thing. We'll get there, mama. I promise. We'll get there. But three minutes self-care. And I just even remember my mom being like, Rachel, you know, when I was trying to breastfeed. And for myself, I, I love breastfeeding, but it did not work for me. It would have been nice if it had. It did not. But um, her saying, Rachel, stop. Eat an apple. Drink some milk. You're going to be o- The baby's okay. Put him down. He can cry for just a second. And you go do something for yourself. And he was fine. And so taking three minutes at a time, because I felt like as a mom with postpartum, that's all I could do. But those things healed me. They did. And taking that, that time to just, no, I'm I'm going to walk downstairs and get my little speaker and put on some praise and worship music to encourage me. I'm going yeah. to put him down for just a moment to do something for me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, I love that because I think we have this all or nothing mindset. Right. Like it, it, it needs to look like this. And we, and we miss out on just the small little opportunities to do things that fill our tank that help us uh, maybe they refocus us. I love that you even said smell flowers. Just I mean that that does it for me. Now, you know, you kind of have to know what your thing what your things are, right? But mm-hmm. um I I mean just give me some fresh flowers and I I breathe in the scent of it and I can instantly like feel my blood pressure like reduce. Um, so just knowing what those things are, but don't have that all or nothing. Do lots of little things. So good. So in your book, you talk about, you have something called the new mom wellness plan and you have a postpartum progress checklist. Those are some of the practical tools in your book. Talk about those. What What's the new mom wellness plan? What's the postpartum pro, uh, progress checklist?
1: So the, the new mom wellness plan, it's a wellness plan that I came up with for myself in my second pregnancy after I'd worked with a few hundred women with postpartum depression. And I you know, went through my own healing process, started working with moms with postpartum and started giving them this plan. That, and I just, I just came up with it. And so if you ever took a psychology course, whoever's listening don't worry it won't get too complex but there was a a uh, dr abraham maslow and he believed mm-hmm. that, that we had these a hierarchy of needs and there were five different needs and you know their physical safety their love and belongingness self-actualization and and so with this and i'm oh and it's steam forgive me for blanking mm-hmm. on the last one and he believed that we needed to meet the physical at the bottom before we could move up to even worry about something like social or feeling loved things like Mm -hmm. that. Or we had to feel safe in order to move up that hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And so I used that psychology to come up with this plan of saying, how can we make sure that all of your needs are being met as a new mom? And so I explained that hierarchy. And then Mm -hmm. I say, all right, let's talk about how we're going to get your physical needs met, which are sleep, eating, drinking, things like that when it comes to your safety. And safety, it's not just feeling safe in your home, but maybe feeling like, how are your bills going to get paid that week? Um, do we have adequate insurance on our home? How do we need to make sure that maybe your basement doesn't get flooded? Things like that are very they get in the way of a mom taking better care of herself in the higher parts of the hierarchy. And okay. even things the biggest one I bring up with safety is finances. That's why I say like who's paying the mortgage because I for the first time in my life, forgot to pay bills when I had a child. I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and so we're really saying, how do we put these things into place so that we can get all five of our need categories met in motherhood? Gotcha. And so it was the plan. And I actually, in the book, I have my own plan that mm-hmm. I, I chose to include. And it has, here's the, here's the warning signs that things aren't okay. Here, here's step one, step two, step three of what I'm going to do if these warning signs arise. Here's the name and the phone number. I also talk, um, before we talk about this chapter, we commission our postpartum pack, which is three to five people who agree to kind of be there, at least, um, emotionally by text or in person, especially in that first three months. And so with that. The new mom wellness plan is just a big fill in the blank, but it's still on my fridge because it's everything to have a plan. And then when we're so tired, we can't think about the plan. It's right there or it's on our phone. It doesn't necessarily have to be, I'm old school. So I like printing. I like writing things. Yeah, And so with that, it helped because especially with my second baby, I was able to be like, okay, that's my plan. Okay. These are the warning signs that maybe my depression is starting to spiral or my anxiety isn't doing too well. And then here are the boundaries that maybe I'm not reinforcing well. And so it's just a few pages. It is kind of heavy lifting, but when you do it, and especially, if you're able to fill it out with with your um, partner, mm-hmm. it's a really powerful thing to have that in front of you and to say, "I have a plan." Yes. And so the the new mom wellness plan, girl, that's that's what that's about is just I love. I it. believe in being a mom with a plan.
0: Yeah, I love that. What about the postpartum progress checklist? What's that?
1: So it's kind of a giant thermometer, but it's toward the end of my book, and I just I believe that this is a marathon and not a sprint.
0: Mm. and
1: with motherhood the whole point of that postpartum progress checklist it's to color up and to realize all the victories you've already achieved and when we go through it 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 talks about a lot of different aspects of my book but it's it's actually it's a thermometer but it's in the shape of a bottle but the last goal of it is I can say out loud I'm a good mom because mm. that's really what I want for every mom is for her to get there. That's kind of like end goal is to be able to say, I've accepted that maybe I don't always love motherhood. I've asked for someone to bring me snacks. I've decided whether or not I should see a counselor. I've engaged my postpartum pack. It's, it's, 26 different items, but they're actually a lot of them are really small things of being able to say, look at the progress, because I really do believe the way that marathon runners are able to get through, especially they talk about these last seven miles, because it's very mental at that point, is they remember how far they've come. And so that's what I want by this postpartum bottle that for you to call like for all the moms or or grandmothers or dads to be able to say look at how far I've come because it really that does keep you going yeah and it does it helps you keep hope when you have a really bad day and you just you, you just want to go I remember just wanting to go sleep in a hotel and not run away but I was just like I wanted to kind of run away from how hard life was as a new mom and still do sometimes as a mom to be honest and so, with that, I just think it's important that we have to look at, again, at how much and how far we've come, which is yeah. like step one is, I pray I prayed for my baby today. You know, it's it's like we can stop right now and say, God, Jesus, 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 help us. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, that's those are kind uh, of two of the tools that I've really, really loved about this book.
0: You know, that one reminds me of your checklist, reminds me of, oh, I talk about in my uh, professionalizing motherhood book is... Um, that we need a, you know, we're big on to-do lists, but I started creating when my kids were little, I would get to the end of the day and I would do an I did list. And, and I would think through how many diapers did I change today? I would think through... um I would uh, think through how many books I read to my child, especially in those toddler years, you know, oftentimes the same book five times. Um, How many meals did I prepare? How many snacks did I prepare? And I would get, because oftentimes I would get to the end of the day and go, I got nothing accomplished. And it was Mm -hmm. when I was able to like, look at the picture and go, oh, I actually got a lot accomplished. Maybe not things that I would have liked to have gotten done. But I still accomplished a lot. So I think that there is something uh really helpful about a list like that. It gives you a big picture, it gives you perspective. Mm-hmm. So, Rachel, I have one more question before we bring things to a close. Um, you know, a lot of the women that uh listen to my podcast are also they're past the child uh bearing age, um, but they are uh their daughters and their daughter-in-laws are starting to have babies. So, you know, when we think of supporting uh, a new mom, whether it's our daughter, our daughter-in-law, a neighbor, a gal at church, what, what is the best way that we can support a new mom?
1: I think uh, moms are different, but I think what's important is to show up, to be present, and to tell her what she is doing right Mm-hmm. And I just remember moms discipling me and saying, you know, that's exactly how I held my baby to help him with his gassiness, or, you know, you're doing such a good job. You're staying really calm. And I needed to hear that. And and maybe to some people that may sound, you know, pandering or that may so- not sound as helpful, but I feel, I guess maybe in my postpartum haze, I needed that basic encouragement of you're doing a good job Mm -hmm. or this is what helped with my baby and just being present and not asking what can I do, but just show up with a lasagna, like just show up, just show up. I mean, you don't, don't ring the doorbell. I know that's a big, no, no, send a text, but just, just show up and be willing. Don't ask if they need a meal train. They do need a meal train. Don't ask if they need a gift card. They need a gift card. Just show up and be willing to say, go go upstairs go take a shower let me let me take a walk with you and your baby and tell them what they're doing right i think when we normalize how hard motherhood is i think we're going to become better mothers mm-hmm. and just to encourage i think as grandmothers it was so valuable for my mom who is the best mom on the planet she's an amazing mother and a such a strong follower of jesus she's been a, a huge part of this book But I think for her to say, Rachel, I felt like that too. And of course Mm -hmm. you feel this way and you're a wonderful mother. And to have another wonderful, wonderful mom tell Mm -hmm. me this kind of stuff was beyond valuable. And I think for the women in my life that just showed up. They didn't ask me if I needed anything. They asked me, "What do you need?" Cuz they knew I needed stuff, cuz we yeah. all do. All moms do. And I needed a little bit more of that like emotional support during that time, but I think all new moms need to be reminded what we're doing right.
0: Yes. Yes. And you know, sometimes you just even might have a little sliver. I remember um, this was several years ago, but there was a young mom in our church and I didn't have a whole lot of time, but I had one afternoon that I had like a little sliver of time. And I, and so I, I just said, uh, hey, I've got an hour this afternoon. I'm going to drop by. And I, you can use that hour, however you need, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, if you want, I'll clean your bathrooms. If you want, I'll take the kids for a walk and you can take a nap, whatever you need. And I just remember Mm -hmm. almost backing out of it because I didn't feel like I had enough time to make it worth it. But she later said, that was like the, such a huge gift. And she ended up sleeping. She was just so sleep deprived and uh, ended up using that uh, hour to sleep. And so sometimes I think that, you know, uh, I I often say um, that we need to stop asking people what they need. We know Mm -hmm. what they need. They need food, they need rest, and then we need to just show up and, and help with that need in some way. So I appreciate Mm. that.
1: I love that example, Jill. That's, you know, you being just a a busy working, you know, working mom and you knew you had that hour and you're like, Oh, but that's all I have. Like, that's what you gave because that's what you had. And I just think that's just such a beautiful, I just really powerful example of just showing up and saying, this is what I have to give you. And yeah, it's not, you know, three hours every Tuesday, but I can give you this and and let me give you this. And you tell me what you would like to use with that time. I think that's really, really powerful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know, another thing that I think can be really from a practical, if you're at the store and you know that there's a new mom, you know, in your neighborhood or whatever, just texting her and saying, I'm at the grocery. Is there anything Mm -hmm. that you need? Like Mm -hmm. just that alone, because she might be like, trying to figure out how to get out the door and she just can't you know and it's like Mm -hmm. you don't have to get out the door i'll i'll bring it Mm -hmm. to you so Mm -hmm. i love that rachel this has been a great conversation thank you um where's the best way for people to connect with you online
1: well, I'm, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm at Rachel Hunt Elmore, I always have to say my, my first name is R-A-C-H-A-E-L, because it's a little easier to find me. You can also find me at rachelelmore.com, and um, connect with me, DM me, obviously my book is available anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, it's also available in uh, bookstores uh, in person, which is yes. insane to see my book on a shelf, which is so crazy but uh, target.com walmart.com and just to encourage uh moms go get this book and and read it and then give it to another new mom or a mom to be or another grandmother to just pass along and to just pass on this message that I wish I could see all the referrals I get for postpartum cases but now I finally can give my treatment plan to anyone who wants it
0: uh, and just yeah. encouraging
1: the moms out there that how what a gift, honestly, for my soul that is, because it's so hard to say no to all the moms out there that really need this message, but now I don't have to anymore.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. And it's a great baby shower gift. I mean, really, the mm-hmm. I think that it's a, it would be a great one to add into. Uh, your a gift bag for a baby shower. Rachel, would you be willing mm-hmm. to um, pray for those that are listening and just close us out in prayer?
1: I would love to. I'd be honored. Lord, God, thank you so much for this day. God, I thank you for Jill. I thank you for every woman, every person listening. I thank you for their hearts and their desire to serve you. Father, I pray that the conversation that we've had would be your mouthpiece, Father, that we would speak into their lives, Lord, that we would encourage them, uplift them. God, I pray that the women Listening, if they're grandmothers, mothers to be, mothers that have grown-up children, Father, that they would be encouraged to know that you have not forgotten them, that when they are struggling with motherhood or they're struggling being a grandmother, knowing how to support, God, I pray that they would seek your word, that they would seek your wisdom, and to know that you are there with them as they are rocking their babies. Mm-hmm. God, I'm thankful. God, that you're a part of my story. Father, I'm thankful that you've been in my heart for a long time guiding me. Lord, let this message encourage women. Let them know that nothing good comes from them believing they're a bad mom. And God, just help them seek the truth and the identity of them being daughter of a king and the mother of a prince or princess. And God, we love you. We ask all of these things in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free eBooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org free. See you next week, where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.